Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details. How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere, it's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. There's three sides to every story. There's my side, your side, and the truth. Withdraw that, and if you don't, we will have to do it on the floor of the Senate. We're going to fight for those Australians who haven't got the time to go around and get on Twitter and wear t shirts. The kids who are sick cannot do the hip hop anymore. I will not be lectured about sexism and misogyny by this man. G'day and welcome to The Curb. My name's Andrew Pearce and this is a podcast that's all about culture, unity, reviews and banter. This podcast is proudly recorded in the lands of the Wajak people of Perth region and are pay respects to their elders both past, present and emerging. On this particular episode, I catch up with a uh, filmmaker who I did a Q&A with in 2019, Alex Lycos. I really liked his film, Me and My Left Brain. I reviewed it in 2018. I saw it again in 2019. I put on the best Australian films list of 2019 as well, all the way down at number 17. Uh, It is a fantastic film, which I like a lot. I think it's absolutely brilliant, beautiful, warm hilarious romantic comedy which we don't see very often in Australia uh, and oddly enough in 2019 we had a, a handful of them we had uh, Top End Wedding we had Me and My Left Brain and then we also had Standing Up for Sunny as well all three of which uh, you know were fantastic films all three of uh, them were my um, best Australian films list of 2019 I, I love them all I think they're fantastic and I want more of them I've been sitting on this interview for a little bit. I recorded it back in August uh, for Australian Film Month, August, and I didn't put it up then, um, mostly because I had wanted to save it for the end of the year. It was uh, it was a great discussion. I really enjoy it, and I, I think that you'll appreciate it a lot as well. But I think that a lot of what Alex says in this interview is what has been going on in my mind regarding Australian film, uh, and certainly... Um, you know, the, the topics that we talk about, how difficult it is to make an independent Australian film in Australia, uh, to get it out to the audiences, that kind of thing is a real challenge. It's a real struggle. And I'd wanted to save that until the end of the year to hopefully give people something to ruminate on and to think about um, heading into 2020. So I'm releasing this at the beginning of 2020 and hopefully people give it a listen and get an understanding of how important it is to head out and support Australian films. It really is very important. Uh, you have filmmakers like Alex Lycos out there who you know, are flying all around Australia to do Q&A screenings and are not earning money from it. In fact, he's losing money by putting his film out there. He's, he's making himself vulnerable for audiences, uh, both uh, creatively and financially. And, you know, it's an emotional vulnerability, which is a bit of a challenge at times. And we talk about that uh, in relation to one of the jokes in the film. Um, 
you know, and I, I've done, I, I've interviewed a fair few filmmakers in 2019. Uh, Genevieve Bailey as well, who is one who directed a beautiful documentary called Happy Sad Man. Uh, and she also flew all around Australia, pushing that film, getting behind it, supporting as much as possible. And I'm certain that she probably lost money on that as well. Um, as great as that movie is, unfortunately, it's just the reality of it. And that's one of the things that we talk about in this particular interview is that I think the audiences still think that Australian films and Australian filmmakers are on equal footing as American films and American filmmakers, uh, that they're still getting the same kind of coverage or payment scheme or whatever. And, you know, I look at Hot, hot Mess or uh, Suburban Wildlife, for example, both of which were made for $3,000 and $4,000 respectively. Um, so... When a film is made for $3,000, $4,000, it's a feature-length film, 80, 90 minutes long. Um, nobody's getting paid on that. Uh, everybody's uh, delivering their own time for free. And I think that's what a lot of people forget. I mean, not putting myself on the same level as them, but there's a knock-on effect. I don't get paid for running the curb. Uh, and there are a lot of uh, people who are writing about Australian film who don't get paid for what they do. I know that Matt Eels from Cinema Australia does it, the skin of his teeth, you know, and that's one of the biggest websites in Australia talking about Australian film. Um, so there is a knock-on effect. If the if the filmmakers aren't getting paid, then the people who are talking about the films aren't getting paid, and the you know then there is the, the struggle of even the cinemas even getting paid as well they put on these films um maybe 20 people head up and go and see the movie and that's it so that's why i'm releasing this particular interview at the beginning of 2020 i think it is one of the best discussions i've had on this uh for this website um and it's one of the most interesting ones as well. Um, and I've learned a lot. I learned a lot from this particular interview and I learned a lot from Alex. I think that he is one of the most um, interesting and exciting people I've met in 2019. I was really grateful to spend a lot of time with him talking about his movie, talking about his creative process, talking about the way that films are released in Australia, talking about the challenges of releasing films and entertainment in Australia. And... Most importantly, one of the biggest challenges is, you know, releasing a film that is a dormant genre. As I was saying, you know, this is a romantic comedy. Uh, we don't make romantic comedies in Australia uh, for some reason. Um, had multiple of them in 2019. Look, I like this interview a lot. I learned a lot about uh, the filmmaking process. I learned even more about Australian film and how uh, Australian films find a platform in this country please i hope you enjoy it as well and please share it as much as possible i really want this one to to get a lot of traction and get uh, people interested in talking about what we can do to help australian films and australian filmmakers and supporting these stories um at the very end of this interview we mentioned something that occurred in sydney last year there was a tragic event on the, that occurred in the day uh that we recorded this and there was a bit of extra discussion after this, but I've cut that out because it was, it's not particularly relevant. But I do want to touch on the fact that, you know, that we're living in pretty desperate times at the moment. And not to be too alarmist, but of course, the east coast of Australia is currently on fire. It has been for months. Uh, there is a very distinct possibility that we're heading into another major war uh, because of a decision of a certain orange leader of the America. Um 
it's pretty horrifying stuff. There are there are more drastic, terrifying events occurring day in day out, and that's why it's important that you know film like filmmakers like Alex are supported because he's made a funny, heartwarming film that is intending to bring joy and happiness into the world, and we need a little bit more of that sometimes, and it means a lot that there are people like Alex out there and uh, pushing these kind of funny stories and stuff like that. And there's, there's, you know, places for the dark stories too, of course, but we need the storytellers uh, in this time of darkness. We really do. Um, yeah, please support Australian films, guys. I, I, I hope I'm, I know I say that a lot, but I, I hope I'm pushing that message enough and making it clear that um, it's pretty desperate out there and, and we need support for Australian cinema as much as possible. Anyhow, here is Alex Lycos. Hopefully you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed doing it. I'm actually happy being miserable. You are. Yeah. You have noise in your head. Yeah, sometimes the left side of my brain has a tendency to overestimate its importance. Why do you get control of our central nervous system? Oh, you idiot. Wow. We've been stuck in this, this weird platonic phase for six months now. Are we friends or more than friends? What do I say in text? Anything. Except I love you, you're my soulmate, I've never met anyone like you, crap. Do not think about Helen. You okay? Yeah, I just got this weird annoying headache. I have some Panadol. I don't think Panadol will do it. You're going mad! How did you, what, what steps did you, were you presented with trying to decide what you're going to do with me and my left brain? Um... Because I imagine that would have been a difficult decision because there's no real studio system here in Australia. And that that is a bit of a bother from my perspective. But I'm curious about your perspective. In terms of once we made the movie, how we're going to get it out to audience? Or yeah, do- distribution and, and how you make the film as well. Like... Um, what kind of what kind of process when you wrote the script you're like okay i've got this script i want to make this movie how do you get that started how do you get the ball rolling with a right, film like this right right well for me um i kind of almost uh my filmmaking path being in 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 reverse of probably what the more traditional path is in that um we've been running a theater company for about since 2006 and alex and Eve, which was our mo- my most successful stage shows, actually three stage shows, uh, two two sequels to it. Um, it, it did really well at the, in the theatre, and you know me and I got together with a, a fellow Greek Australian in the in the Greek community to to make a feature film, and that feature film was quite within the context of Australian cinema, quite a big budget film. Well, not big budget, but mid sized budget in the you know mid you know, almost $3 million mark, to two two and a half to $3 million mark. Now, we decided in 2009 we wanted to, ma- you know, to make the film. The film began shooting to mid-2014. So you're looking at four and a half, five-year process to get the film out. Yeah, wow. There, yeah, there was just a lot, you know, we, you know unfortunately we, we didn't get the um, funding support uh, from the federal agency. Um, but what I found was, there was a lot of meetings um, happening, a lot, of, a lot of meetings over the years where there was all this talk, but nothing was actually happening. And it was just really frustrating because I'd come from the theatre where I could write a theatre show within six months and then 
within probably six months, or oh, sorry, after writing it, uh, you know, say six months to write, and then probably within three months, we could be starting rehearsals. So the turnaround time of, you know, an idea, writing a stage show, and then getting it, you know, up in rehearsal and then in front of an audience was probably between 12 to 14 months, which is pretty pretty decent turnaround time, which I got used to. All of a sudden, this film, you know, we, you know, we, we're meeting with people, but nothing is actually happening. A lot of people kind of talking about it, but nothing really happening. And finally, after four and a half, five years, we finally got it up uh, and made. And I just felt that that process, from a, from a filmmaking point of view, was, was frustrating for me. So then I went back and thought, well, right, I don't want to wait another five years to get my next film up. Mm. What if I write a script specifically for a lower budget, that way the turnaround time can be much quicker. And that's when, you know, uh, uh, it was formerly called a long, a long Night. I knew I could raise that money relatively quickly because it was much, much less than um, Alex and Eve. So then I wrote it with that in mind, with a low budget in mind, everything from from the size of the cast, um, the, 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 where the story was told, how it was told, um, all with budget in mind in order to to be able to deliver a film, hopefully a good story, um, on a smaller budget, much smaller budget, which would mean that I could raise that money much, 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 much quicker and I guess ultimately have more uh, control of the creative process. Yeah. Because I'd lost, I'd lost control of the creative process for Alex and Eve, which you know, naturally when you're, you're dealing with you know, money to make a small hospital, you know, that will that will happen, especially for a first-time um, storyteller, filmmaker. So that's how a long night came about. It came about, essentially, you know, to cut a long story short, by just frustrated with the process and wanting to get a film up much, much quicker, much more economically. Yeah. The, the distribution part you know, came from, again, with Alex and Eve, we just had a few dramas of distribution um, and predominantly the people that went to see Alex and Eve the movie was the people that went to see the, I mean, I don't have any, um, you know, empirical evidence, but I have a lot of anecdotal evidence. Those who went to see the stage show went to see the movie. So we had a little fan base and obviously... When we put on a stage show, which wasn't Alex and Eve, the fan base was much smaller. So I thought, when we when it came to distributing, I thought, well, rather than give it over to a distributor, because distributors get quite a big chunk of the, well, the cinemas get a big chunk of the cinema ticket, and the distributor gets what's left over. So I thought, since it's going to be predominantly our audience is going to come and watch this film, it being a smaller film, um, and it's going to be pretty much our audience is going to come and watch it anyway, and we have direct access to our audience, and if we can pick up some cinephiles to come and watch it, and mm. if the film's got any any merit to it, then um, you know we might get some word of mouth spread. Then it, it's it, it, it seemed natural for us to want to distribute the film ourselves because we had direct access. We have direct access to our audience. There was no distributor that was going to spend. It wasn't the type of film that would, you know, no distributor is going to spend, you know, a bucket load of money marketing at it, marketing the film. It wasn't that type of film. So we just felt at least this way, if we distribute the film, we can control the messaging. 
we can, can we can pick the cinemas it's gonna you know we think it would be best played at. Um, so we felt that we could do a decent enough job to at least get a decent little first week, and then if the film had any merit to it, you know maybe a second and third week. And that's, that was the logic we used to um, to decide to distribute the film ourselves. Yeah, which is, it's sound logic. Like, it makes sense because especially when you look at the Australian film industry, it, um, you know, there's there's been a lot of winners and losers, but the, the Australian cinemas aren't really built to support Australian films for some reason. And distributors just, don't put the money behind advertising them and or, or anything like that. That's my perspective, at least. And I, I think that's really frustrating because how do people know about Australian films uh, like yours if they don't get the advertising or the, the, the push and stuff like that? Um, and for me, like you've been exceptionally active on, on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, um, getting people's awareness out about this film. How frustrating is it to have that limitations of uh, marketing and, and budgetary marketing and stuff like that and having to rely on social media uh, to get your, your, you know, the word of your film out there? Look, look, it, it is incredibly frustrating. Um, there's no doubt about that, but that's, that's the nature of the beast, right? Um, the, the film is what I'm starting to see now... Um, because our film's playing in hotels across Australia and we're starting to get a little bit of, you know, I'm, I'm getting some messages from people who are watching in hotels, saying they're enjoying the movie. Um, so, it, it the, you know, the great thing about cinema, you know, comparing stage to cinema, you know, with the stage show, you put it on, you have a season, a three-week season, a four-week season, and that's it. You know, you want it to play in Perth, if you want it to play in Adelaide, you've got to physically take the show over there. And... I guess with film, it's great because it can travel so quickly. What's frustrating more so um, for us is, and if I can circle back to one of the big drawbacks we didn't factor in when we decided to distribute the movie, is as first-time distributors, self-distributors, whatever you want to call what we did, um, I guess you're not taken seriously. And... The drawback to that is, for example, you know, we we spent a lot of our energy, our marketing focus on Randwick Cinema, which is an independent cinema, and um, you know, the Randwick area. Um, there's a lot of great little bank pockets. It's a well-known cinema for for independent movies, and in the first weekend, our film beat John Wick. I'm at the box office mm. and was the number one movie at the cinema. So it was it, it was it, the, the cinema's number one movie. Yet the new cinema owner pulled the for film, even though our movie generated that cinema the most box office for that weekend. And I guess the the conclusion that came out of that was, well, you're a little guy promoting this little Aussie film, you know, we've got bigger distributors that we have long-term relationships with, and even though those films of those distributors didn't do as well, 
we kind of have an obligation to keep them running and keep their sessions up. Yeah. Whereas yours, there isn't that obligation because we don't know when your next film's going to be, you know, in our cinema again, if ever. So I guess there's a little bit of, um, you know, you're a little guy, yes, you got a great first week result, but you're small potatoes, so we can't really, you know, grant you good session times for a second week. And the session times is so important. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. so that, you know, so we, we, we did a decent job in that first week of um, getting the word out there and we got a good result, especially at Rhonda Grit Cinema. But unfortunately, the chance for word of mouth to spread when your film's taken off the cinema together, it kind of limits it. Um, which that was probably the more frustrating um, element to the process of self-distributing. So I, I will, I'll touch on uh, the self-distributing thing back in, in a minute, but I, I, I'm curious about, as you're saying, it's been playing in hotels now. Where else is it? Is it also, you know, I know that a lot of Australian films get a second life, as you're saying, in hotels, but also like planes and stuff like that as well. Yeah, yeah so that's, that's coming as well as obviously then, you know, the, you know, the, so what we, what we did, we, we, um, because, as I said, for, for, since 2006, you know, we'd go out on a, you know, Saturday night and put flyers on, on, on car windshields. So we knew how to try to get an audience, you know, to, to, to a theatre, in this mm. case, cinema. But we don't have any contacts in relation to to um, ancillaries, you know, things like hotels and, and airlines and Netflix and, um, you know, iTunes and free-to-air TV. So we brought on um, an ancillaries distributor to come on and just take care of the ancillaries. And um, Bonzo have been great in that they came on board and they got the hotel deal and are working on the other deals. And then there'll be the DVD that will come out, I believe, in September. I'm not too sure. Um, there's no confirmation date yet, um, and then hopefully free to air. And we've been fortunate enough that we've just signed on an international sales agent. Cool, great. Who then, yeah, which is lovely. Who will then start, you know, trying to make sales um, to rest of world territories, beginning I think at Toronto in the American film market in November, which is something I'm learning. You know, I'm, this is all new to me. I kind of had a vague understanding of it via Alex and Eve, but it was only a vague understanding of it. But now I've got a better understanding. And, um, you know, we're fortunate to get an international sales agent. So hopefully, you know, the cinema run is not where the film ends. You know, hopefully it does get a bit of a second wind, uh, you know, at different territories internationally as well as locally. Yeah. Well, I think that's what I was that's what I was going to touch on with the self-distribution thing. Is I think back to like the 1990s and stuff like that and how films were discovered back then and you know the lives that that films had back then and you know the the classic story I guess is The Shawshank Redemption where you know Oh yes. It bombed yeah. at the box office was a massive bomb and then turned out to be one of the biggest uh, home releases ever because you know word of mouth and and things like that and and that's where a lot of films you know that the the world has completely changed for cinema and and movies nowadays that you know big films that 
would usually have made a lot of money and now go now launch on Netflix, you know, Roma and Annihilation and uh, mm. I Am Mother and stuff like that launch on, on Netflix. And I'm curious for you is, you know, are you optimistic about, like I, I would be optimistic about the future of the film because it's, it's a great film. I really enjoyed it. And I loved it even more the second time that I saw it because it's, you know, the, it's a it's a beautiful kind of comedy and it's a romantic comedy that we don't get to see very often. So I'm curious for you how you feel about this this new wave of, of how people are going to discover your film, you know, in hotels and streaming and, you know, DVD and stuff like that, the second life that it has outside of the cinema. Look, that that's, that's, that's quite a... It's, it is exciting... Um, again, because again, and I keep referencing theatre because that's where I've come from, and mm. I, I know who's watching our theatre show because I'm, I'm at every theatre show. You know, either in the play or directed the play, so I'm there every night. So I know who's watched it, and generally in Sydney, right? Because we've only the only shows that we've toured were the Alex and Eve stage shows. You're there. You, you, I'm there, present with the audience. Whereas, you know, with film. You don't know what happens. You don't know what goes on out in the sphere. You don't know what, like you say, Shawshank Redemption is, is, a, is an extraordinary um, story. You know, it's, it's a phenomenal film. Um, so you, you don't know what people are doing, you know, on Amazon or Netflix when they just want to, you know, flick through a film to watch and give a chance and then who they might tell whatever that film might be, you know, and that might tell their two friends, hey, I watched this little film and you don't know what what momentum can happen. And predominantly, most of the times, I guess, there's very little momentum in most movies, especially obscure films that don't have, you know, main cast, right? But even if you get your film out there, you know, for example, you know, uh, it's been playing in hotels and, you know, you get these little kind of... Uh, uh, screenshots of people watching it in hotels and they send them to you and it's like, oh wow, here I was doing my, my shopping and somebody's watched the story that we told. There's something nice about that. You know, there's something quite, oh wow, there's, there's a, um, how can I put it, there's a, it's got its own little life mm. out there. You know, even if it's five or six people, ten people, whoever, you know, however many it might be, it's kind of operating in a separate sphere to your everyday existence, whereas the theatre shows were, are operating within my sphere because I know that because we're putting them on and I'm there and etc. Um, so it's 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 great in a sense. And now that we've just signed the international sales agent, you know, I've got a lot of friends. I used to, I don't know if I ever told you, but um, back in a previous life, you know, I came to the arts later in life. I used to play tennis and you know, I went to university in America, and I've got a lot of friends that I'm still close with over there. You know they're going to get a chance to watch it yeah. over there. You, you know, um, and they might be able to tell their friends, "Hey, go and watch my mate's film." Who might then tell? You don't know, you know. And it's nice that the film may get a little second wind here or there, maybe discovered or, or, or whatever. Um, most probably not, because um, there is so much content out there. Um, but it doesn't really matter. Because um, ultimately, it's about for me. I try and you know I, I'm I try to create a body of work, um, and then once I finish that piece, that work's been completed, you know, start focusing on the next one. 
you know, mm. um, especially now that we have hired an international sales agent, it's almost like, right, okay, there's not much more I can do um, for the film. We had our domestic cinema run. We've got a distribu- an ancillary distributor who's looking after the ancillaries domestically. We've got an international sales agent who's now looking after the rest of world sales. So it's kind of like bringing to an end the journey of the film from my point of view. Sure, yeah. It, it is It is what it is. It's living out in the world as its own being in, in some regard. And, you know, I, I guess it's a bit like, um, I'm, I'm going to screw up this, this term, but nonetheless, where it's like, you know, the artist paints the painting and then essentially once the painting's complete, it no longer becomes the, it's no longer the artist painting. It's, it's the people who look at it and who engage with it. it yeah. They, they've lost ownership of it essentially. And, and I, I can imagine that might be a little bit freeing, but it's also probably a little bit daunting as well. Like you've, there is so much like you are front and center of this particular film. You wrote it, you directed it, you starred in it and you know, you put your, your, your heart and soul into this film and it's great. And it's, you know, but it's got to be, I imagine it's got to be hard to be able to kind of cut a piece of you loose and just let it free out into the world. Um, I don't know if, I don't know if that's like a, something you thought about much or not, but it's got to be, yeah, to, from my perspective, at least I'm like, gosh, I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you know, it really is, um, I started writing, um, when did I start writing my next movie? I started writing the next, uh, another film around about whilst we were two-thirds into post-production for this one, back in 2018. Um, I, I enjoy writing, and it's like, you know what? Um, and then I kind of started work on a TV series, or, you know, developing a TV series. So I enjoy the process. I, I, I love telling story. I, I really do. Um, uh, you know, a friend of mine said, uh, I've got an actor friend of mine who's just going through a bit of a rough time um, from an acting point of view, getting work. And he's like, you know, I want to give up. I want to quit. I've had enough. And I just said to him, do you think about that? I said, oh, of course I think about that. But you know what? The big problem is, I've got no choice because in my downtime, there's nothing else I want to do other than write. So I can't quit. Because even if I quit, I'm still bloody writing. <laughs> so I can't quit. You know? Um, I bloody wish I fell in love with proper development. Um, <laughs> but I didn't. You know? I was, I was stupid. <laughs> no. Um, but, there, but there's an honesty to the artistic creation. You know, there's 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 something that's beautiful about it. And yeah, it sucks that it's not exactly the most financially viable uh, mm. thing, especially in Australia. Like I look at independent film in America and, you know, independent film in America does well. Like it's, you know, they're still working mm. hard and people are pushing themselves and stuff like that. But there's, I don't know, the market's a lot different than it is here in Australia, but there's something yeah. beautiful about the artistic creation and being able to, you know, create something that wasn't there before. And, you know, that's what you've done with, you know, theatre and it's what you've done with, with your films as well. Like, they're, especially me and my left brain where it's, as I was saying, it's you front and centre and you've created this whole thing. It's it's something to be proud of. Like, a lot of Thanks, people try and fail, that. yeah. And, you know, it's, it's yeah, 
I think I think the other aspect, which I think there's another part to be proud of, is that you know so much of the the content out there nowadays is so dark and depressing, and it's nice to bring something that brings a bit of laughter into the world and a bit of joy. And there's something that's so warm about this film that I really like about it, and that's that's something to be proud of too. So you know, hats off to that because it's. Thank it's, you. Yeah, I don't know if I mentioned that to you when you were across in Perth, but yeah, it's something that I was like, yeah, you know, watching it a second time, I was like, yeah, you know, this is, this is really lovely. Like, it's really sweet, and and we need more of that in the world. And it's it's yeah, it's it's nice. So thank you for that at least. <laughs> no, I appreciate I appreciate your lovely words. It, it is nice because it is a bloody grind. It's such a grind. Um, so it is. I, I am most appreciative of. You know, when I hear stuff like that, because whilst it might appear a little bit indulgent, I can tell you that a lot of the times it is very lonely. You do spend a lot of your time um, second guessing your career path. You're getting, you know, you get a year older. Your your friends are getting promotions. Their salaries go, you know, go up, mm-hmm. and yet here you are still grinding away. And you do, you know. You know, in your subconscious, the path of you're on and what you're creating. You know that that is, at its core, it's something that you're you're quietly proud of and um, grateful that you're able to do. But you've got all these external um, uh, forces that are that make you second guess and question and all those types of things. You know, as you get older and whatnot. Um, so it's nice to hear when somebody does enjoy their work um, or gives you um, nice feedback about the work that you've done. You know, mm. whilst it doesn't pay the bills, <laughs> I, I get that. It is nice and makes you, it does make you feel like, oh, okay, you know what? What I'm doing is not useless. It's not worthless. There is some merit to it and value to it and people are enjoying it. Yeah, well, definitely. Some, in some capacity. Yeah. In in that regard as well, because you essentially toured the whole of Australia with this film, doing Q and As and stuff like that. What was that experience like, uh, being able to? Because I imagine, um, obviously, as you're saying with the theatre experience, you have a tangible moment where you know what the audience reaction is because they're sitting right there. So I also imagine that you know going and doing Q and As and stuff like that around Australia, you're getting. You're getting that similar kind of feeling, the the vibe that you might have had with the theatre experience. Um, was that what it was like? And and if so, what was the the best kind of moments that you had uh, while you were touring it around? Well, um, I, I can tell you the, the 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 contrast. I can tell you in the theatre because I'm generally in the shows. Um, you know, it's just anxiety and stress. You know, I don't want to get that phone call of an actor saying they're sick, they've lost their voice, so you're forever worried, you know, um, that an actor's going to call you and, and, and tell you they're sick, they can't come in, make sure 6.30, they're all in, great, then we've got to do our warm-up, then we've got to do this, make sure we do this, make sure we do that, you know, we've got a good full house, good energy, make sure the show is good, make sure the techie, the lights are all working, sounds are working, blah, 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 then you do the show, make sure we keep hitting it, make sure the actors are all focused, make sure we get them the whole thing, and it's all great, and blah, 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 and then we can all have a drink afterwards at 10.30, great. For the film, it's finished. The DCP's been sent. It's ingested into the cinema. I just rock up there with my coffee and my champagne. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's much easier. I wear my sport coat. 
Um, and, uh, you know, there's no stress. I mean, there's a little bit of stress hoping that they enjoy the film, but generally speaking, it, 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 it felt like people were enjoying the film. So it was just lovely to go in there and, and uh, you know, um, answer people's questions. It, it does feel a little bit indulgent and, and you, do, you do feel a little bit wanky, you know, um, and a little bit, you know, um, a bit of tooting your own horn and it does feel a little bit. But it's nice to... And I tried my, I try my best to be um, real candid with my responses and honest... Um, and what I hoped to to do with them when I was, when I was going through, I'm trying to make it about all oh, me, 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 because there's a lot of me, 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 me in the film. As if, if I can give an answer that's authentic, and that the audience, after watching the film and the Q and A, that they go away saying, you know what, I really enjoy that. So I got something more than just the routine of going to watch a film, and I kind of had that objective in the back of my mind um i went to the palm beach screening yesterday actors palm beach screening yesterday and brian brown you know um he was really candid when he kind of spoke about the germ of the for, for the film and i just took away this great moment that he gave us through his transparency mm. and i hope i hope i did that um when i was you know traversing across the country um, doing doing the, the Q&As. I hope I gave something. I mean, it was, it's nice to hear what people have to say. It's nice to to make you, um, you know, because questions they give you, you know, you've got to know your story. You've got to know what your motivation was. And, 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 and some of the times, you know, you when you would explain, you know, your... your um, motivation or, or, or why you made a creative choice, for example, you know, they'd be like, oh, okay, now I understand why, you know, blah, blah, blah. Oh, right, right, right. So you kind of maybe help um, help in making them perhaps understand the film a little bit more or see it in a different light or whatever the case may be. Um, there was one interesting uh, section in the film where, um, one of the characters has a massive continuity issue with her shoes. I mean, she's wearing one pair of shoes, then we cut to another scene, uh, to another shot, and she's wearing a different pair of shoes, back to another shot later in the scene, and it's back to the original pair of shoes. And what was great is everyone had these theories of what we tried to do, and that it was all deliberate, but it wasn't. It was just a screw-up on our behalf. And I had to break your heart and say, no, we just screwed up, so thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, well, it's, I mean, it's it's interesting to see how observant viewers are, like, because I, I, I never even noticed it at all. And, you know, some people some people do. Some people, that's what they, they focus on. And um, it is interesting to hear what audiences' questions are because they're, they're so different. They're so varied across the, the board and... So many different people have, you know, different opinions about certain things. And it's, I imagine it's interesting to hear all of that kind of stuff, uh, you know, the different uh, perspectives that people have about your film. Um, were there any particular sort of really out there takes that you, you didn't expect um, that people had asked you as you were going around? Um, not so much different um 
different um, interpretations or perspectives. Um, it was more, you know, some would say, yeah, I could kind of sense from the start that, you know, your character was in love with the Rachel Beck character or I didn't see it coming. So, so that was, we had varying degrees um, of perspective in terms of whether they preempted um, who my character would end up with. Um, and interestingly on that, we, in a rough take, when we showed the cast and crew uh, the movie, we, the ending was, was, we tried to camouflage the ending a little bit more, but it didn't quite work. Sure. And we had to go back into the, into the edit and make the ending more plausible by reinserting um, a fantasy sequence or, or sorry, a, um, a flashback sequence. Um, wasn't too too much of that, from what I remember. Um, just trying to rack my brain because <laughs> you know the story, the story, the not a complex story. It's a, it, you know quite a quite a the the story is put out in front front of you. There, it's you know your it's pretty clear. There wasn't any major twists or, or ambiguity um, within the story. So. It's, it, it was, it's, yeah, it was, I mean, more, uh, sorry, sorry, now that I'm kind of thinking out loud as I'm talking to you, you know, there were questions about the masturbation scene. Oh, yeah. Um, definitely, definitely questions about the masturbation scene. And, you know, I got a lot of questions about that, you know, why, what was the whole point of the masturbation scene, what, you know, and I said, you know, as a writer, your objective is, yeah, you know, what's the character's objective? What is your character trying to do? So you've got two main objectives as a writer, and that is a drive the story forward. And, and if you can, if you can double up a scene and have it serve multiple functions, then you're way in front because your your scene's being more economical. So my character, at that point of view, couldn't sleep, had all this anxiety and frustration in his body, and he thought by relieving himself, he might clear that anxiety and frustration and angst to then kind of be more relaxed to then go to sleep. So so this, the scene was there to serve that function, to reset his body, so to speak. But also, um, the character of Vivian gets to see his most base self, his most, you know, vulnerable self, mm. you know, most domestic self. So, and that's what we tried to do with the whole film, is have the Vivian character see him, you know, carrying groceries, being at home, being his base self. There's no, no secrets with him. Um, so it served that function as well because she saw him in that, in his, at his most base. So we, we were establishing that as well as the objective of him trying to find another strategy to go to sleep. So, it, you know, it was great in that I was able to explain some of that and hopefully provide a perspective on the inside into, you know, some of the things that, you think about when trying to tell a story, not, hey, I'm looking to shock an audience, let me have the characters masturbate. Yeah, but it's also like there's a reality to that as well. Like I know, you know, having uh, lived with insomnia for a period of time, you know, you do Google searches to how to sleep and one of the things that people, that it's a suggestion is like, hey, if you masturbate, you might get, you might be tired afterwards and then you'll sleep. And it's like, well, that's, yeah. a, that's a, it's like a, you know, there's a reality to it. And the, yeah. the, the comedic aspect to it is, is there in your performance, but it's also, you know, it's, it's 
just something that happens. And that's what I enjoyed about it is it's a matter of fact thing. Like, you know, it's putting, it's, it's making a real situation um, relatable and, and, you know, comedic and, and something that you can all laugh at. And also kind of, I'm sure that a lot of the audiences out there would be going, Oh, I can relate to that. And I can completely understand that. And, and, you know, from my perspective, at least, uh, being completely honest, I was like, yep, I can completely relate to that, yeah. especially having a, you know, being stressed and anxious and all this kind of stuff. You're like, that's that's a situation I believe, I've been in and I find that very funny. And so I, yeah, I, I loved it. I thought it was I, hilarious. <laughs> I, I'm mad I'm with you on that. I was certainly, uh, <laughs> you know, without getting crass, I mean, <laughs> you know, I've certainly used that technique yeah. In my own life, you know, <laughs> I mean, when I struggle to sleep, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm not, not mean to come across as crass, but no, no, but yeah, it's, so. it's not being crass at all because I think, I think that's what I enjoy about your film is that it's, you know, it, it, there's a, there's a lot of openness to it as well, you know, in, in a lot of ways. And especially Rachel Beck's character too, there's a lot of that, that sexual openness there, which I thought was just, it's nice to see. It's refreshing to see that, especially in Australian comedy, where it's not, it's not delivered in a derogatory manner, where the act itself is the joke, because everybody's yeah, open yeah. about it. There's a, you know, yeah, it's funny and it in and all that kind of stuff, but it's very much like, hey, this is just something everybody does. Let's just talk about yeah. it in an open way, and that's what I liked about it. Um, so it's, she's it's, great, Rachel, isn't she? She's just she's, oh. she's, she's so lovely. So good. She needs to be in more stuff. Like it's been so long since I've, you know, you need to get her in another film. (laughs) Oh, trust me. Trust me. I am trying. Yeah. (laughs) Believe me. She, she, she's like this, she's like this, um, this, this jewel, this, this, this jewel that, you know, I'm like, man, I got access to, you know, like, um, and was able to, uh, to get in my movie, um, and got this goal from her, you know, and she's so lovely off screen. Oh yeah. She just, her, her and Mal are just, you know, they, they light up the screen, you know, they, yeah, yeah, every yeah, time yeah. that they're on screen, they're just like this electric energy and not saying that you don't have that kind of energy too, but there's something about both no, of those do. performances no, that yeah, are just do. like, wow. You know, but that's what works within mm. the dynamics of the story. The you know, there's kind of morose or rebellion. You've got these kind of electric people around him. You know, well, yeah. the, the left brain and, 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 of course, Vivian, her dynamic and, 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 and you know, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story on Mal. Um, his agent set up a coffee for about half an hour. Um, so man up for coffee for half an hour, um, you know, when considering the role. Three hours later, neither of us had come up for air. We probably argued about four <laughs> or five times in those three hours, made up four or five times. I get another four or five times and made up another four or five times after those three hours. I knew, okay, Mal, <laughs> I think this is it. Yeah. <laughs> this is that. We just, we just, you know, you don't, you don't plan that. It just happens. Again, going on a low budget movie where you've got no rehearsals, right? You, we got lucky there. We didn't have to spend any time trying to get to know each other and get comfortable with each other. We were comfortable when we first met. Mm. Which again saves on budget because you're not having to worry about rehearsals. Yeah, if you've got that they, that connection, at least it's it's really good, and and it's clear that you two do, and especially because essentially you're just playing the you're you're playing the same person, 
Mm. There's different aspects off, and there's a bond there. You can see it. It's tangible. It's tangible. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And again, going back to budget, you know, like speaking nuts and bolts, these are things that, you know, we had to consider. You know, everything was, was, was about, well, what can we do to keep the budget down? What can we do to make sure we don't sh- um, go over time when shooting? You know, and, and all the, so many decisions are made within the restrictions of budget. You know, Mal, we got along great. Beauty, we don't have to worry about rehearsals. Bang, that's one less expense, you know? Mm. And I know it's hard to think that way, but we had to. Yeah, not, not only us, you know, all, all, all low-budget filmmakers have to think that way, you know, to try to get as much bang for their dollar, so to speak. Yeah. Well, in a lot of ways, you're running a micro-business, and, you know, the, while you're making the film, it is a, it becomes a business, and you have to, I guess... It's hard to to juggle the the creative hat as well as the business hat, but it's it's inevitable. You, you know, you've you've got only X amount of days to get this this film in the can, um, mm. so you have to really you have to think economically. Um, and I yeah, and I got a piece of advice from a filmmaker who made his first film, and he went overtime a few days, a couple of days uh, in the first week of shooting, and. Literally, when he'd gone overtime, the the crew, you know, after the first, they said, "Well, that's okay. We, we you know we went overtime one day, but if we go overtime again, you know, you're gonna have to pay us time and a half." And he went overtime again, and his budget blew out. And he said, "Whatever you do, don't go overtime." That was probably one of the biggest pieces of advice that I took with mm-hmm. me on set. Do not go overtime. A people will get the shits. Crew will get the shits. And B, you know, they'll either demand, of course, naturally, um, you know, to be paid for that overtime, or they'll put their tools down. So just don't do it and be as prepared as you can to not go overtime. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I, there's all these things that, um, you know, I think that people take for granted about watching movies and things like that, that they, they all kind of, I guess, and I'm generalizing a bit about the, the average film goer here, but I imagine that the average film goer thinks that every single film that they go and see is operating on the same scale, mm. the same, mm. you know, you're not saying that your Avengers Endgame is the same as your film, but I, I imagine a lot of, you know, a lot of film goers think that they're all pulling from the same toolbox, but it's not the reality, you know, there's, they're, they're, yeah, it's not possible. And there are people like yourself out there who are, who are making things on a shoestring budget and making great stuff on a shoestring budget as well. But it's it's not easy. It's not easy. No, <laughs> and he, yes, and here's the, here's, here's my um, how shall I put how can I put it? Um, um, here's my I, um, I guess theory yeah. um, of the challenges of low budget filmmaking, especially in today's current climate. It's always existed, but I think it's a little more so now. Take for take take of it what you will. Um, in the theatre, you know, if you want to go and watch a theatre show, depending on how much money you make or how much spare change you have, if you want to watch the best theatre, right, it's going to cost you maybe $85, $90. Let me go watch a musical, Book of Mormon, $120, $130. You want to watch the absolute best, a million-dollar musical, it's going to cost you a premium amount. You want to take somebody out with you, 
a friend or partner, you're looking at $200 worth of tickets. Yep, it's clear. You want to watch independent theatre, you're looking at 25 30 bucks a ticket. You want to take somebody with you, you're looking at 60 bucks for the night. It's doable. So if you want to go out and watch some theatre but you don't have any, any money, you know, it'll cost you 25 bucks. You go on a, on a Wednesday, maybe even 20 bucks. Right? It's doable. It's manageable. You know you're going to watch independent theatre or community theatre and what you're paying reflects that. In cinema, Avengers Endgame, which costs, you know, a gazillion dollars to make, it's the same price to go and watch that film than it is to watch our little low-budget independent film. So for an audience, really, the choice for the same price to go and watch a film that's, you know, cost $200 million to make and has Chris Hemsworth and all these big, big stars in, or for the same price to go watch a little indie film that you don't know much about, when you've had a hard week at work, you know, generally speaking, of course, yeah. which one is the punter going to want to go and see when they've had a hard week, Saturday night, they've got the 20 bucks, whatever. It's almost a no-brainer, really. But how do, you, how do you feel about that? It hurts. It hurts. Um, but I understand it. I understand it. Um, as a storyteller, it's a little bit scary. Um, you know, and partly why I've been working the last three, two or three months developing a television series is because... I guess in many ways I'm asking an audience, you know, I've spent, you know, we opened in May and we spent, you know, two months begging audience to go to the cinema. Instead, via a TV series, I'm not begging you to go to a cinema, I'm just begging you to please turn the remote control on. Mm. Not going to cost you anything. So can you please give us a go by doing that? So I reckon my subconscious is concerned about the difficulty in trying to get people to go to the cinema. Um, you know, if you're making a $5 million movie um, with a $1 million marketing campaign, you've got a better chance. Yeah. But like you said, in, you know, earlier on when we were talking, you know, to make a low-budget film and then, you know, get on social media and, you know, and hope that you get some traction via social media in the hope people go in a competitive market where blockbusters are being released every single week now. It's a tough ask. Oh, it's a huge ask, yeah. Yeah, and not only what, what, what else is making it challenging is that these blockbusters that are getting released, you know, say... Um, you know, September 1st, you know, the release of Blockbuster, in theory, it's not really September 1st because what a lot of cinemas are doing now is you're having these preview screenings the weekend before. Mm. So, yes, the official release date is September 1, whatever the case may be, but on those Saturday and Sunday nights, on Friday nights before, they're having these special preview screenings, like, for example, Rocket Man. You know, the release date was 30th of June, but 23rd of June, uh, 25th of June, I'm having these, you know, cinemas are having these big kind of 
you know, Elton John previous-screen parties. Yeah, they make it an event, of, yeah. Yeah, which is almost like the release date really is the week before, not the actual official release date, which makes it even harder. So it's tough, you know, not... And I hope I'm not coming across as a cynical naysayer. No, not at um, all. Um, I'm trying to analyse it, understand it, um, and perhaps the path for independent feature films is, especially low-budget feature films perhaps, is making a drama which then allows you to have a festival circuit run as dramas are more inclined to be programmed for festivals and you perhaps get some traction that way before your general release. Mm. Um, these are all kind of theories and ideas that I'm tossing in my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To try I, to understand it. I, I wonder if, because from my perspective at least, like when, when me and my left brain came over here to Perth, we had a run of um, Australian films with Q&A screenings and stuff like that. And that in itself became the event. So, you know, unfortunately, none of those films went on to have um, theatrical runs, that, but they just had one one screening here in WA where the filmmakers came along and did a Q&A screening afterwards. And that in itself became the event, which, you know, it's frustrating in a lot of ways because it's you know, all of those films should have had a theatrical run. You know, there should have been mm. that Aussie pride of going out and celebrating an Aussie film and going supporting it, but it doesn't exist. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm i glad that, you know, in a, from a selfish perspective, because I love Australian film and, and I love hearing filmmakers talk about their films, I love the fact that there's the Q&A sessions and stuff like that, but it's also frustrating in that sense that that's the only time that you get to go and see the film on the big screen and... I want it more. Like, I want it, yeah. you know. <laughs> I want much more of it. I, I, I want less I, of the Rocket Man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if you remember um, when we had a, um, uh, when we caught up in Perth, I kind of flagged an idea that I kind of informally uh, have broached with some um, state politicians, the idea of um, pretty much like we have in sport, uh, you know, the, having a... a, a like a twenty dollars subset annual subsidy, you know, everyone mm. gets a twenty dollar voucher, which can only be redeemed when going to watch an Aussie film. Which is a great idea. It's a genius idea. Yeah. So it's it's something I want to try to kind of pursue. Um, now that I've got a bit more time. Yeah. Um, because even if you get, you know, even if you get a mere fifteen twenty percent using that, that the voucher. I mean, 15, 20% of a population of, of 20 million, you know, say you get a million people using the voucher. You know, it's 20 million, 20, is it 20 million or 200 million? No. It's 20, $20 million in box office. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. You know, that's that's only if, if, if 120th yeah. um, use the voucher. Now, you've got to think, you know, you got the voucher hanging on your fridge or whatever because you got email, it got mailed to you or whatever online or whatever. And you might think, "Hey, we've got nothing on Saturday night. Do you want to go out? Yeah, let's go. We've got these vouchers. You might as well use them. They're free. So you might go for a coffee mm. beforehand. So you're going to spend money, you know, getting a coffee 
And because you've got to watch an Aussie movie, you know, you might then go and watch a film because that weekend, you know, there's an Aussie film that's out. Well, it's the only one that's out this weekend. We want to go out this weekend. Let's go watch that. You might give it a go. Yeah. And then that's 20 bucks back in the pocket of the, the Australian film industry. I think it's a yeah, great idea. It, yeah. Which will go back to the, you know, 60% goes back to the cinemas. Yeah. Um, you know, but that, that notwithstanding, people are getting, you know, eyeballs are watching Australian stories. Yeah. And then they get excited for the next, the next time that they get to see yeah. that filmmaker or that actor on screen. Because I think a yeah. lot of the people that they, you know, a lot of people in Australian films, uh, you know, not no names. I know they're, they're people, but they're they're maybe not as familiar to Australian audiences. They're not your Russell Crowe's or Nicole Kidman's or anything like that. And um, yeah, I think that 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 would be a genius idea. It'd be fantastic. And you might you might go and watch an Aussie film that you know you'd never heard of, but because it happens to be in the cinema the day you want to use your voucher, and then you and you and your you know, go with your partner or whatever, you might say, you know what, that wasn't a bad Aussie film. Maybe we'll we'll, we'll pay for one next time. Yeah. We'll go search one out. Yeah. You know, and three weeks later, you find yourself watching another Aussie film because you had a good experience when you redeemed your voucher, the, the time you redeemed your voucher. So I think I think there is some merit to it. Um, and I would like to, you know, explore the possibility of, you know, taking it further and seeing what might happen. Mm. Because I don't know... I don't know if just pumping more money, getting people to go, pumping more money or, or making, we're making more movies than we ever have, I, I think. But I don't know if it's translating to more people watching our stories. Yeah, or being aware that they exist. And yeah, we're, exist, make, yeah. we're making more, but there needs to be something done on, on the promotion and distribution end, I think, um, to get people aware of these films and stuff like that. And, yeah. you know... There's only so much like, uh, you know, websites like my own and Cinema Australia and stuff like that. There's only so much reach that we've got, but, and we'll, mm. we'll gladly push out a, whatever we can, but um, there needs to be a little bit more for when people are walking down the street past a bus stop or, you know, whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Nothing works like advertising. I mean, nothing, nothing works like, even though TV has lost some of its luster, nothing works like the trailer, a great poppy 30-second trailer, mm. primetime television, 7, 7.30 at night, you know, in one fell swoop, six, 700,000 people are aware of the film, you know, and if the trailer's half decent, nothing beats that. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah. That is so potent, but yeah. that's expensive. Yeah, yeah, it's not cheap at all. Yeah. Yeah. Well... I've taken up all your time and a heap of your time talking about all of this, and it's been great. I, I do really appreciate it because... No, no worries at all, mate. No, no worries at all. Always enjoy talking about films. Especially... I, hope, mate, I, hope I haven't rambled and bored you. No, not at all. all. Like Far from it. go on tangent. Far from it. You know? No, no. <laughs> it's exactly what I want because it's, as I was saying at the beginning, you know, it's like a, it's the, the discussion points that I, I can write a review and all that kind of stuff, but... I I'm curious as well about the you know what goes uh, what happens after the film's been made and stuff like that. So I've learned a lot, and I think that it's it's an interesting thing you know to get people aware of of the limitations of uh, that are 
presented or pushed onto Australian films in a lot of ways. And, you know, I need trying to make people aware that, you know, there's, there's a lot of work that can be done to support Australian films. You know, something as simple as writing a a rating on IMDb or Rotten Tomatoes and stuff like Mm. that. Like you don't have to be an actual critic. You can do it as a fan. And that just makes people aware that this great film exists or talking about it on social media and stuff like that. And, Trying to put the the, yeah. the the importance back in the the viewers' hands in a lot of ways to say, look, if you enjoy this stuff, then you need to actually get out there and support it, and hopefully, hopefully that's what they'll get from this kind of discussion. That's that's what I hope yeah. at least. Yeah. yeah, and I think you make a really good point because I mean, you know, especially on social media, you know, the filmmakers, the actors in the film can 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 post about how good it is, you know, all day long, you know. People, you know, they're like, yeah, yeah, of course you're going to say. This. But when they hear, when when they hear from, you know, a reviewer, um, or or even or even just your regular audience member who, you know, puts up a post on social media, um, saying, hey, I just saw this film, I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I think with that comes a, a real a real sense of credibility about whatever that you know story's been spoken about. Mm. Um, and then, you know, it, it, it can trigger someone else to say. You know, if it if it if it comes across their their Netflix feed, oh yeah, I heard about that film. Well, let me give it a go. Yeah. You know, they might be more inclined to give it a go because you know they 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 saw you know a review or write something nice about it or, or or just a regular punter. You know, so it all it all helps. It all helps, and um, you know, it, it, uh, yeah. I I mean stories. I think I think what you, you know. I don't know if you know what happened in Sydney um, this afternoon. You know, we just need stories. We need we need we need stories. We need yeah, or oh, definitely and positive things as well. Yeah, that was just atrocious. Yeah. I, I saw it pop up yeah. on my phone. I was just, I you know, I know so many people over in Sydney. So whenever these things and and Melbourne too. So whenever these things occur, I'm always just like, gosh, I hope they're safe. You know, I hope they're mm. they're okay, and. You know, fortunately enough, uh, you know, it's it restrained and, and stopped pretty quickly, but it's still, yeah, yeah. you know, we're living in such a terrible time that we've got to support oh, each yeah, other yeah. and support these positive things. Yeah. Sats writer, director, actor Alex Lycos talking about the production process and the distribution process for his film Me and My Left Brain. Uh, make sure to head over and follow the, the Facebook page for Me and My Left Brain uh, to keep an update on how this film is going to be rolling out. Um, what I really like about this discussion was how many different things that we touch on regarding the challenges facing Australian filmmakers, and not just uh, independent Australian filmmakers, but there are certainly other challenges facing uh, bigger budget Australian films as well. Danger Close, for example. We didn't name that particular film, but I know from what I've read and seen, you know, there are challenges facing a film like that, trying to get that in front of audiences. There is a big um, mouse house corporation that is uh, really really taking up space in cinemas quite a lot making it very hard for Australian films of all sizes to get traction to get an audience and to find a place to thrive and live and all that kind of stuff and hopefully if you appreciated the, the the sentiment and the understanding of what we're talking about in this particular discussion hopefully you can walk away from this with some things in mind of how you as an audience member or a, a member of the industry even can help support the Australian industry even 
further. You know, I go out and see films on, on their opening weekend, follow the Facebook pages of different places, tell your friends to go and see them. We really need to make it uh, a understand what the cultural and uh, social crisis that we're kind of in uh, regarding the Australian film industry and Australian art. This was recorded before the Scott Morrison government decided to essentially abandon the Australian, uh, the Department of the Arts and merge it into a whole bunch of different areas. Um, and that's kind of terrifying. I've written up a piece about it. I'll tick a link in the show notes. Um, but that, you know, that is a, a really terrifying thing that the government, the one place that is supposed to always stand by the arts has effectively abandoned it and that's terrifying because if we don't have the government behind us then who has got our back well we've got each other's backs and uh that's the main thing that's why we've got to support each other i'm sounding a little bit defeatist here but um i am still optimistic you know there are people like alex out there who are making films independently and Lucy Coleman with Hot Mess, you know, she did a fantastic job with that, did a micro budget, but they're getting made and they are existing, they're just not getting the audience traction that they should do, and that's a bit of a bother. Um, Look, go support Australian films, guys. Um, I'm going to wrap up now. Head over to the website, thecurb.com.au. You can read a lot of reviews, see other interviews I've done with Australian filmmakers, um, read me ranting about Australian cinema and stuff like that over there, um, and read other reviews from some of the other writers on the website. There's a lot of other great content on there too. Uh, head over to the Facebook page, uh, the Curb AU on Facebook and on Twitter. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash the Curb AU. A dollar a month really helps the site keep on going. It's not going anywhere, so I'll keep on doing it for free. It doesn't matter. But uh, every every little bit helps. It's um it's nice to have that financial support. Okay, uh, thank you again. Hopefully, enjoy this. Please, I really want this one to go out wide and people to listen to it and pay attention to it. So please share it once you've done and get people to listen to it and um get people to go and see Australian films in 2020. Make that your New Year's resolution. See more Australian films. We have over 30, 40 Australian films released a year and people often think that we only have five. Um, go and see five of them <laughs> at least. Please, people. And buy DVDs and buy physical media and all that kind of stuff. Ah, we'll stop now because otherwise I won't ever stop ending. Uh, well, stop ending. I won't ever stop talking, rather. Uh, thank you all. Um, be kind to each other, look after each other, and uh, love the people you love. Take care. Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to oscastnetwork.com for details.